You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. We are um, wrapping up this series of messages called Someone Asked because we really value dialogue. We really think and have, not just think, but have experienced that God speaks to us through each other in the body. So Circle of Hope is not like one of those places where you get like the celebrity pastor um, who acts like they know everything. Um, we have lots of pastors and leaders among us, and we, we think that everyone has, is bringing something. And so um, we were taking questions throughout the season and trying to answer them. And the pastors decided to do, like, as the last week in this series, an Ask Me Anything time um, as a kind of catch-all for questions that might still be in your mind or might have just popped up in the last week or even in the last two minutes as... Allie, as we were singing or doing that psalm exercise. Um, so I have a lot to say, but it doesn't have to just be uh, me talking up here. We can, this can be a dialogue. Just to get your, kind of to wet our whistle, if, if you don't have any burning questions. I, ha- I wrote three down from our congregation that we didn't get to yet, and we could take one of those. Um, one of them was, is it okay to be angry with God? I think that's a fabulous question. Uh, another one was, why should I tithe? And another one was, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Did the church misunderstand Jesus when he talked about his return? Did he intend to come back only as the Holy Spirit? Is it possible that we are delaying him? That's a real big one. (laughs) I might might need some help from the other pastors in the room. (laughs) Um, But we could tackle one of those if you want to. But first, let me just kind of open the floor. Rod. (laughs) Good. So I was just responding to an invite. Thanks, Rod. Um, the Praxis Gathering is a is a conference for pastors and church planters. Um, I don't think it's always in Philly, but it was this year, and. Um, they asked me to speak on the future of church planting in Philly. So that was kind of a big, fun question, and I got to do that with some other pastors. And um, I was very shocked that I was the only woman in the entire room for most of the session. And it was like, wow. Like, I, I forget, outside of our circle of hope, community, I forget how, how strange it is um, to be a woman pastor. I mean, sometimes I remember in this, in this na- I walk around in this neighborhood and uh, people are surprised too. But um, 
yeah, it, it's, it's, it's an unusual thing that we're doing um, by kind of, by taking Peter and the, and the prophets, the prophet Joel seriously, that God's going to pour out his spirit on, on men and women. And uh, we're doing it. And I, I'm glad to be. I was glad to speak. You want me to say more, Rod? What, what are you thinking? What did I say? I talked a lot about us. They were, they were like, they were thrilled um, to hear about Circle of Hope and the incarnational way that we're kind of figuring this out together. Um, it, was, it was like a panel discussion, so they asked me a lot of different questions. I kind of told our history as a church and um, how love really is at the center. We're, we're like taking Jesus seriously to love one another as I have loved you, trying to really work that out. And we do it in cells. And uh, they were really amazed by all our compassion teams, how we're, you know, we don't just like think about this once a week and, and like try to get some good feelings about our connection with God like individually in like a hour and 15 minute experience on Sundays, like a lot of consumer, um, you know, churches are kind of mushed into the, these consumer choices in our country. Um, but I think we're trying something a lot bigger and, and hopefully more like Jesus had in mind, has in mind when we're like, working it out throughout the week in practical ways in uh, all kinds of scenarios, in schools, wherever we're called, in uh, urban farms, um, in prisons, um, we're, we're living it. At least that's what we're going for. There's something else that popped in my mind there, and I just lost it. Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to jump on this question in the past. That we have been new here, the, the way we divide quickly is we do. Mm-hmm. It's also really sick. Other places, sick in the community, but we still have to have a fundraise. Oh, my gosh. I love that question. Thank you. Um... Before I go there, I, j- I remembered what I was thinking a minute ago. The, in, the, in the church planting conference, they, one of the guys who's like a researcher in Philly talked about how his stat was that 93% of Philadelphians are not in a church meeting on Sundays. So only 7% of our city is doing this once a week. And and he and and what he said was that most of, and this this sounds like super negative, and I and I don't think he meant it as like shade to other church plants, but he said uh, most of what's happening is is just kind of shuffling um, people who identify as Christians from one church plant to the next based on like attractional models, and um, that made me just. 
that made me really um, glad to be part of us too because I think we're trying to do something really important, really important and really different by building bridges with all people, not necessarily those who have grown up in a church, but people who might never think of stepping inside a church building. That's why our buildings don't look like church buildings. And that's why we try to um, be sent and make ourselves available and, and go, go outside of our normal zones, be part of the neighborhood association, you know, hang out in different places so that we can um, have a life that speaks to um, more than just other Christians. We're, we're trying to push the edges of our social circles. And I think it doesn't matter how good, like you might feel like you're terrible at that as an individual. That's okay because we're like, we're doing that as a body. And I just, I just really love that, that focus that we have. Then on your question, Jeff, which I feel like is connected, how, how are we going to multiply this congregation? It'll, it'll, I think it'll happen by doing what our cell did this week in multiplying our cells. Um, usually when, when a bunch of cells multiply, um, the congregations also get bigger in the Sunday meetings and um, people get invested in different ways but when that number gets much above 200 is kind of our sociological marker um, then it's time to to think and pray about okay where are where are most of the cells located like where is God calling us to plant a new congregation so right now, this congregation is, a, is at like 150 people and a little bit more than that, 154 maybe regular attenders. 30 of those people are kids. Um, so not that they're an important part of us, but I would like us to be above 200 adults before we think about multiplying. Um, and it would be amazing to multiply back to Center City and use our space at 1125 South Broad that we only have maybe for a couple more years, but it's like such a great spot. Um, or we could go to West Philly. We've been dreaming, dreaming of West Philly for years. What's that? I, just, I heard West Philly someone said that. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Rachel's rule? West Philly, best Philly, they say. Um, so yeah, that's what that's that's what we're going for. Did that answer your question, Jeff? <laughs> it's not a real scientific process, as you can imagine. It will it'll take some discernment, I think, even when we get there. Over efficiency in my presentation. Right. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you have a marker. Say, hey, let's think about this. It's not fun. It's not something else related. We have this many people. Yes. And wait, part of how we got to that number 
Jeff, is not just from experience, but from the social scientists who say that it's hard to know to actually have like intimate relationships with more than 200 people. And we think that discipleship in the way of Jesus happens best when you can actually know each other, when you don't just show up at the meeting and you're like an anonymous person and nobody misses you if you're not there. We, we want to always have our congregations be small enough where, where people get noticed. Somebody else. Bethany. I like the tithing question. Mm. It's kind of interesting into like what does it look like to tithe in 2019 and you have like a student loan or all these other things that money is different in this era or when the recession happens. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's a really good question. Um, I start with, what's that, Micah? Yes, thank you. Um, what, the question was, why should I tithe? Bethany expanded it to, like, why, what does it look like to tithe right now in 2019 in this economy when we have, we're, we're facing what we're, what we're facing with debt, um, you know, the the cost of buying a house now in Philly is like three times what it was seven years ago, stuff like that. Um, I, I have to start like, we call it like a, a tier one vision um, with Jesus where I, I think he's just, I think he's still right on in 2019 by saying our, where our money is, that's where our hearts are. Even though I think we feel so, we can feel so like um, pulled and kind of pressed down and like we don't have options. I think Jesus is, is giving us the freedom to like actually look at what we do have and put, and put our money where, where in, into what we really care about. And I think we just, we do that. I think that's just how human beings work. Um, we spend at least our uh, disposable income on what we actually care about. Um, so I think I would, I would look at that, what, um, the money that we can make choices about. Maybe, maybe we have to start from there, you know. So for some of us, it's our, our money is I feel like I'll be paying back my student loans till I'm like 65. Um, so some of our money is is tied up. Uh, Bobby and Christina started a restaurant. They, you know, that's going to take a while to get going. Um, but what we do, but but I think Jesus is calling us to put our money, our disposable income, into um, what we actually want to see happen. I think once you start doing that, it's it's kind of amazing. It's kind of like this uh, unexplainable spiritual principle where 
at least in my experience and in people that I've talked to, like suddenly there's like enough enough money, and then and and then you might want to like skim it right off the top and and go and go as go toward that ten percent. Um, I think the way the Bible talks about it in the Old Testament, it's pretty. Um, what's the word? Formulaic, right? In the New Testament, the believers shared everything, and so it just kind of like blew it right up. So you can give what you can give whatever you want. A lot of people still use that ten percent as kind of like a marker that they're trying to get to. Um, I think that's great, but you don't have to. You don't have to just stay there. Lots of people in Circle of Hope give more than ten percent. And uh, that keeps us going. So do what you can, I think, is the answer. Don't, don't be too hard on yourself. But at the same time, let's just be realistic about, like, um, what we really want, our desire. I think God, like, can work, work with our desire and um, do big things, even if it's just, like, a mustard seed. Did that help, Beth? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to... Rod had his hand up, too. Rod. <laughs> All right, what do you want to say, Rod? Totally. If he would bring a tenth of a P day to every meeting... Did Craig LeVon say that? Wow. Dude. That's amazing. Nice work, Bobby. Wow. Um, Sally, let me, try to, let me try to get the end of Bethany's question here. So what does it look like if you don't have an income? That's what you asked, Beth? I think that's a tough one. I think you. I think there's no. Um, I don't see Jesus like making rules about this. You know, he he spoke mostly in parables and stories to get us to do the deeper work. And so I think that's what following him is that we're called to do. I, I'm not sure anybody um, that I could stand up here and make a rule about it. But I think, I think that person will feel better if they give something, for sure. Um, whether it's money or time or a P-Day. I, I think we're designed to express and share what we've been given. And uh, it, it, we get, we get kind of jammed up when we don't do that. Allie. I was just reminded of like, the parable of like, the widow's coin. You know, where there's this person who has a lot of wealth and probably has a lot of money, and then the woman who has nothing is in like a penny or like it's less than a penny. And Jesus was like, that 
matters so much more because yeah. she just gave what she had. And, you know, whether it's money or time, people are kind of going to work. All the time is Yeah. This is good. We could keep talking about this for a long time. I want to take Sally's and then Nathan. Oh my gosh, Sally. I'm so glad you asked that because we just had, we had a really lively stakeholders meeting here yesterday and that was one of the conclusions we came to, um, that if we want to get this window dream happening, we're, we're going to have to fundraise. And um, that could look like a lot of different things. It could look like fun events um, that we hold here, like, like another art show. Um, People were talking about having like a big change jar over there. We wrote, um, I recently wrote a fundraising letter that, w that we could send to um, people who care about us that live outside of Philadelphia um, that might want to keep supporting this mission. We have a lot of those friends that we could ask. Um, so I think there's a lot of options that we haven't tried yet. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is an encouraging word. Thank you. Nathan. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I remember in high school, I grew up in a really conservative world, but sometimes I think of things from my dad that look good, but they're not good. But anyway, one of the books I remember, first book reading ever in class was like Tortured by Christ by Richard Wormbrand. Richard Wormbrand. Thank you, Gwen. That was important. Twenty-five years ago, or whatever, I remember him talking about how, like, every he was in prison. He lived in Romania during my communist period, right? And he was in prison, and every tenth day, like, all the food they got from my memory, I got was like a piece of bread. A little bowl of broth. And so every tenth day, what he did is he gave his bread and broth to someone sicker than himself. Mm. And to me, an example of like the way Christ blew up the formula of tithing was because Jesus doesn't want just ten percent of our money; he wants all of us. Mm -hmm. Every yeah. time, money, body, soul, everything. You know. Now that doesn't mean you'd ever do anything for yourself. <laughs> you love to get caring for ourselves as part of that, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, so I think of like there's someone that's, that's questioning like, oh my gosh, I have no money, what can I give? Because I've been in this room and had almost no money and been like, What can I give? You know. Mm -hmm. We give ourselves if we can. You know. Yes. Part of that is if we have financial resources, giving some of it to sort of hope so we can be like that everything. But I don't think tithing is limited. Just, you know, 
Yes, it's a good word. It unlocks our hearts. Kev. Yeah, I think what David's saying, I, I agree. I, I want to put it this way. I think we're created to worship, and that we worship, we can worship many things. We can worship money, work, uh, relationships, family. Um, but for me, money is the hardest thing to let go. Uh, I think Jesus talks about the most. Money is like one of the biggest topics in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus said, you cannot worship both me and all your own money. There's a reason for that. And there's so much power in it. So I believe that the tithing of it, when we have it, does let go of that, that strain of what we have on it. And it's still the power. And so for, for me and for us, we're still struggling figuring out how do we let go of our funds when it is trapped. But I feel like when we do let go of it more, we do see God's provision show up in other ways that maybe isn't monetarily present. Maybe it's gifts, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's other things besides that. But I do believe, I do agree, I think tithing is our life. Uh, it's not just, I give 10% of my time to this, but it's our, our worship of God and what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it does have a lot of power. Thank you. I, Paul, I want to put you on the spot on this question because I feel like you've been at this a while. How do you, how do you zone in on that worship? with your money because you make a decent amount but you could like you could do a lot of stuff with it like have a a place at brigantine by now what are you doing don't, don't start with attempting that <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm right now reading a book by Brene Brown it's about leadership and the more you talk about tithing the more I just aligned the two Brene Brown is talking about how good leadership is courageous leadership vulnerable leadership, and the more we're talking in this room about um, giving our money that we may not have or may not feel like we have, it is an act of courage. It's an act of vulnerability. Um, mm-hmm. you know, this idea that I, I'm afraid when we do anyhow. Yes. I don't really know how it's going to turn out. You know, I'm sick, I'm in prison, I feel like I'm giving my bread and my broth because I like, you know, it's sort of crazy. But that really is leadership, and that is a very empowering thing to do. And that's what I think the message we're talking about is that students, if you can do that, then we'll say you free yourself up to be more. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's kind of to, to be more than you are afraid you are. So it's a, it's a, it is a, you know, the good classic is if we're afraid, we are living in our um, lack. We're living in our um, loss and in our um, Like, I'm not necessarily thinking of people when I ask that question. I'm kind of thinking of, like, 
my clients. What does it look like for them to tithe when they are limited by the federal government with their income? Are they able to labor? Like this is, I think there's a huge difference between scarcity mentality and the reality of systemic oppression that causes poverty. Also, yeah. Well, Beth, how would you counsel them? Like, how are you work? I know you've been working at this a while too. How, how are you working it out? And how would you? Well, I can't talk to them about Jesus, but these are like the things that I think of if I were in their shoes. I guess. Like, what does it look like for somebody who really has very little, and the systems continue to set them up to only have little? Mm -hmm. How do I tie to God? Like, if that was me, what would tithing look like for me? Does it look like me cleaning the church? That can that might feel demeaning, you know? It might feel empowering for somebody else. Is it giving sacrificially? And maybe my electric gets cut off? Like, what does this look like? I, I think what it honestly looks like, mostly in, in our church, in practicality, is we we are giving we are taking care of people through our mutuality fund um and that's good i i i that i mean that's how it that's how it works and my hope is that somebody who who is so limited might give in a way that they feel like they can but a lot of times we are we're taking care of each other and um, I'm I'm glad that God has made us able to do that. Paul, you want to finish? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think the answer's still the same, and um, it, it's it, it would be um, easy to trivialize it like you have to give but you don't have what is that like so it's an interesting thing to say like well this barrier between this feeling and the openness is a very thin line for some people it's pretty thousand so I mean I think that that's another thing but I still think it's, it's fundamentally the same you come from fear into you know hope you come from fear through courage and I don't I, I really you know we talk about the Christian life and the common of Jesus this isn't like you just Knuckle down and do it. Yes. This is a spiritual transformation uh -huh. that carries you from the scarcity to the abundance. You don't figure it out. You literally get taken there. And the song we just sang, one of the songs we sang, but you're not really understanding this idea that we can know God intellectually is really subverted through this contemplative process that you really can't know God. Can't figure him out. You can't rationally get them here there. You must be. Um, you know, you have to, your your acts of kindness and love is the language of God, and Nietzsche's kindness and love, and that transforms you into new reality, as opposed to the I'm going to meet the rubric, uh, the law, mm -hmm. meet the law, I'm saved, and if God subverts that process and says, it's love and my love for you, and this interaction can get you into this non-understood place. Thank you, Paul. We are almost out of time, but, uh, okay, and then Mary, the last one. I'm more, I'm more like you in social economics. Yeah. I was fortunate, I was doing loans, 
graduated with a nice degree, I'm fine. When our the church I previously I had a capital campaign that gave up my Nice. Can you can you give us a window, Jeff? <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Mayor. wisdom is what we're going for um, and we can't we often can't and probably shouldn't figure it out on our own um, I think we need to talk more in ourselves about about money because this this is a you know like Kevin was saying it has real power over us and we need to get free um, so I think we do we do keep it so so tight to the chest in ways that hurt us so we shouldn't expect ourselves to figure it out on our own. Um, also, and I, yes, we're gonna hear from Matt and Gwen. Um, we are getting into, if we really wanna be free, 
We got to get into that zone, that transformational zone that Paul is talking about, where this Paul, um, we, we say we do things that are hard enough to require God. So we're like, we, I, think, I think if we really want to get transformed, which we do, we got to step, we got to at least stick a toe in that zone where we don't, we don't know everything that's going to happen and we're not, we're committed to not controlling everything that's going to happen. I know it's really hard. Uh, Gwen and then Matt. My mind went back to being in a, crowded in a, a room in Zaborshi, Ukraine, um, with a woman who was so delighted to be in the space we were in, living in one room with four children and her husband, giving us everything in her cupboard as we sat with her. And she was delighted to live in this space and so cheerful and forgiving. And it, it just takes me back to that line. You ought to be cheerful about giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my rubric anymore. Um, and I think if we listen to God, we'll know what to do. Thank you. All right, Matt, you got the last word as the team comes. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Thank you for this time, for um, responding and asking questions. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.